Well, we're so glad to have you worshiping with us today, whether you're here in Newburgh or also worshiping online. I'm glad to be here this weekend. Um, if you were here last weekend, you know that I had a potential exposure to COVID. And so I'm glad to report that uh, I was tested negative. I had no symptoms, spent a few days in a bedroom at my house by myself, but uh, glad to be back with my family. Glad to be back with you guys. And uh, I can tell you that test is no fun. Let me just say that. I pulled up to one of those uh, drive through clinics and the lady did her thing in my nostril and I thought, are you done yet? And she said, no, I just got started. And then I gripped the steering wheel for all my life. Oh my goodness, but... Oh, anyway, enough about my personal problems. I'm really excited to kick off this year together as we go through the book of Proverbs. By now, hopefully, you've had a chance to reflect on 2020, maybe flush the toilet on all the things we want to forget about the past year, and maybe even take some time to create some action steps, some goals, maybe to set some resolutions for yourself as we start 2021. Um, I hope that our study of Proverbs for the next 31 days or throughout this month would just be a great launching pad for this year. It would provide you the wisdom you need to navigate life and maybe to set course as we see God unveiling the plans that he has for each of our lives and also for his church here at Crossroads over the next several months and this coming year. I hope that you'll take the time to read every day one proverb. We're challenging our congregation to open the book of Proverbs every day and to read the chapter of Proverbs that corresponds with the date. So today is January 3rd. We'd encourage you to read Proverbs 3. Tomorrow is January 4th, and so you will read Proverbs 4. Thank you. Man, you guys are quick. Way to go. All right. We pray that over these next 31 days that there would just be some very practical wisdom that God would give us about how to navigate life. Uh, topics such as how to manage our finances or how to lead our family. Also, how to use our words well. And also how to get the most, and, and the most meaning from the work that God has called us to do. I want to start with a confession. I am directionally challenged. Literally, for most of my adult life, I've not been able to tell you which direction is north, south, east, and west. Growing up, I thought when somebody said north, they meant up. Literally, I would look up. That's how disoriented I have been in my life. My wife teases me because she has like this internal compass. Like she knows we're lost the minute I make a left turn. And like sometimes she's really patient and just lets me be the leader and just navigate and wander around. And other times she's like, we need to turn around, you know. Uh, she's a great source of wisdom in my life. Also, a big help, saving grace to me is GPS on my phone. I use it for everything. Part of it is I want to beat that little time that tells me an estimated time of arrival. If I can land under that time anywhere I'm going, then my competition spirit just feels good, you know? But also, it just helps me not have to think about it or get lost, right? I'm really good with pictures and maps. That, that helps me a lot. And step-by-step -step directions, I mean, who can get lost with those, right? And so maybe that's why I'm pretty fond of the book of Proverbs, because Proverbs really draws us a picture of how life is supposed to work. I also think that Proverbs gives us some really clear instructions about how to have wisdom as we navigate life, as we try to determine how to make sense of life around us. Because 2020, my friends, is not the first time that we've all had to deal with hard things. And guess what? It probably won't be the last. It could get worse. That's a message of encouragement for you here on January 3rd, 2021. I just want to prepare you that God's word is relevant and God's wisdom is available to us so that we can experience life 
and life to the fullest. Before we jump in, I thought it might be helpful just to have some background information that will help provide context for us as we walk through the entire book of Proverbs. Proverbs 1 verse 1 identifies that Solomon is the, is the author of this book. He's the son of King David. I want us to recognize, though, that the wisdom Solomon shares throughout the Proverbs recorded in the Bible did not originate with him. 1 Kings chapter 3, when Solomon was anointed king over Israel after his father David, God appeared to Solomon and he gave him the opportunity to ask for anything. I mean, what an opportunity, right? Well, Solomon could have asked for long life. He could have asked for riches. He could have asked for victory over his enemy. But instead, he asked for a discerning heart, the ability to determine between right and wrong. God was so pleased at Solomon's request that he granted it. He gave him so much wisdom that the scriptures record that no one has ever or ever been or ever was as wise as Solomon. He also promised to give Solomon the things he didn't ask for, both wisdom and honor, wealth and honor. Solomon is known throughout all antiquity and history for both his wisdom and his wealth. And God made one condition to Solomon that day. He says, you must walk in obedience and keep my decrees and commands as your father David did. Now, that brings us to an interesting observation, maybe even a disclaimer as we begin our walk through the wisdom found in the book of Proverbs. If you know anything about the life of David or anything about how life played out for Solomon, you know that neither of these guys were perfect. I mean, David committed adultery, he committed murder, and his family was filled with all kinds of dysfunction. Solomon, his life went off the rails when he started marrying lots of wives, and he, they turned his heart astray from following God's command. I mean, neither of these guys had a perfect track record, which is exactly why I want to make sure that you understand the wisdom found in the book of Proverbs is not from Solomon. It's from God. Paul tells Timothy in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Peter encourages us to have confidence in scripture because its origin is with God, through humans who spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So while Solomon wasn't perfect, we can trust his observations about how life is supposed to work. And we can also be equipped from his words for every good work because we know they come from God. And I think they're an answer to the prayer that James encourages us to pray when he says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. I think we should also note that Solomon is actually more of an editor than an author because there are many Proverbs that Solomon includes in this book that don't originate from him. They're from other sources. We'll meet a person named Agar. We'll meet another man named Lemuel. And we'll also hear from a group of men called the wise men. And also there are some Proverbs from anonymous sources. Regardless who the human vessel is that these words are channeled through, God is the source of all wisdom. The book of Proverbs is categorized as wisdom literature, along with books like Job, Psalms, Ecclesiastes, and Song of Solomon. Each of these provides a helpful insight into life. 
Ray Ortland, pastor and author, writes this in his book about Proverbs. He says, Proverbs is a practical help for people like you and me, stumbling through our daily lives. It's counsel for the perplexed, warning to the proud, strength for the defeated, and mercy for the broken. It is the gospel, good news for the inept through the wisdom of another. We are all on a journey in life. We're looking for direction. And if we don't know which way to go, we'll be lost, we'll be misguided, we'll wander. And God loves us way too much to just let us figure out life on our own. And so he provides for us the words of wisdom. God coaches us in the wisdom we need through navigating this long and complicated path of our everyday lives. I mean, the world says live and learn, but God says learn and live. And that's why we have the book of Proverbs. Proverbs will teach us by discipline how to live. The first nine chapters of Proverbs is a very long introduction, but more importantly, it's an invitation to choose wisdom. And today we're going to walk through just the, a little bit of the first three chapters, maybe the chapters you've already read at this point. We want to begin by discovering the purpose of wisdom. Follow along with me in Proverbs chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction in prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning, and let the discerning get guidance. For understanding proverbs and parables and sayings and riddles of the wise. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. Solomon begins by defining wisdom, addressing who it's for, and declaring where it can be found. Knowledge is a collection of facts, but wisdom is the application of those facts. It's like ABCs compared to reading. It's like the ability to do math compared to the ability to manage finances. It's the difference between reading music and making music. Wisdom is more than knowledge. It's more than just morals. It's skill, expertise, competence that understand how life really works and the success in navigating life to experience the beautiful results that God promises for us, a life that glorifies God and experience the abundant life he came to give us. Wisdom does not happen while sitting under a tree waiting for an apple to hit you on the top of the head. It comes by proactively gaining, understanding, receiving, doing, giving, getting. Those are a lot of the action words that Solomon records in the first couple of verses. Wisdom comes from instruction about how life works, what is right, what is just, what's fair, what's prudent. Wisdom recognizes that there is a right way and there's also a wrong way. There's order to the world that God created. And we cannot and should not make up the rules as we go. As we discover what is right, then we can adjust our lives to it and thrive. And the good news is that everyone is invited. Solomon, in the first couple of verses, addresses three different groups of people. The simple, the young, and the wise. The simple are those who want to remain open. That's what the original word for simple means. Some people have called them gullible, but I think they're uncommitted. Maybe they even view themselves as above commitment. Their path leads to peril because 
They can't remain uncommitted. There is no middle ground. We all must choose a path to follow. One of the paths leads to life. The other path leads to death. And which one we choose makes all of the difference. Wisdom gives the simple prudence. Now, that's not a word we hear in our modern-day language, but it simply means the ability to act with urgency and sureness. Wisdom, Solomon says, gives the young or the inexperienced, it gives them knowledge and discretion. Knowledge recognizes that there is a link between actions and consequences, like teaching a child not to touch a hot stove because they could get burned. But discretion gives the young the ability to avoid temptation altogether. Solomon says that wisdom brings insight. Insight is the ability to see the difference between the two paths. Solomon says for the wise or the mature, they can get wiser even still. They can add to their learning. You know, as we get older, it's easy to get crusty, maybe just cynical or skeptical or critical. And Solomon encourages those who might consider themselves wise to keep learning, to keep growing, to remain open-minded, to remain fresh, continue growing. And for all three groups, this requires humility. There's something in Proverbs for everyone, the simple, the young, even the wise already. And verse 7 in chapter 1 is the key to the entire book. Solomon says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. When Solomon speaks of fearing the Lord, he's not speaking of being afraid of, like God's going to hurt us. But instead, he's speaking of trust, an openness to him, an eagerness to please him, a humility to be instructed by him, and a surrender to him. It recognizes God is the source of wisdom and not us. This fear leads to obedience. It's where we begin our journey of wisdom, and it's also how we keep making progress. C.S. Lewis, in his book, Mere Christianity, writes, In God you come up against something which in every respect is immeasurably superior to yourself. Unless you know, that, know God as that, and therefore know yourself as nothing in comparison, you don't know God at all. As long as you are proud, you cannot know God. A proud man is always looking down on things and people. And of course, as long as you're looking down, you cannot see something that is above you. You know, wisdom is more about what you don't know than what you actually know already. It's not just knowing where to find it. It's seeking it and putting it into practice. Fools, well, they despise wisdom. They resist instruction. They think they're wise in themselves already. But wise people humbly, humbly revere God, and they lovingly live to please him. And they find that that's where true life is found. I think Solomon next speaks of the pursuit of wisdom. Look now at chapter 2, verses 1 through 6. Solomon says, My son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and implying your heart to understanding, indeed, if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as silver and search for it as hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. Solomon again uses many action words to describe how we gain wisdom. Accept, store up, turn, apply, call out, cry aloud, look, search. 
Solomon says that wisdom is not a default setting. It's not automatic. It requires intentionality, effort, discipline, just like anything that we might try to put our mind to, to acquire or gain. God offers us a treasure in showing us how life works or even how it doesn't. It's worth seeking. And several times throughout Proverbs, you're going to hear Solomon addressing his son. Most scholars think that the original intent of the book of of Proverbs was Solomon writing to his young son to show him how to navigate life, maybe how to learn from his mistakes or how to have the wisdom that God offered and brought to him. And some people have been critical about that because they look at it as it excludes other groups of people. Some have said it's critical of of women because it personifies wisdom and folly as a woman. Or the fact that it addresses how to be a noble wife in Proverbs 31, but says nothing about how to be a noble husband. Well, I think as you read through the entire book of Proverbs, you can't mistake that our Heavenly Father is speaking to all of us, both sons and daughters, teaching us how to have wisdom, how to navigate life, how to have life to the full. In verse 6, Solomon says that from God's mouth comes wisdom. I want us to understand that God's word, the Bible, is God's mouth. We shouldn't rely on some interior voice. Now, the Holy Spirit will prompt us. We might hear teaching from external sources, but all things need to be tested according to the word of God, the mouth of God, God's word, the Bible. I think Solomon's story informs us a lot about the difference between the power of nature of sin as well as as it does about the power and nature of wisdom. There's a fundamental difference in how the power of nature works in each. Sin gains power in our lives actively or passively, as much as we will let it. It can be buried downstream. But the power and nature of wisdom is not gained in passivity. It is an active pursuit. It's not a once a week hobby, but it's a daily discipline. And God offers freely to us wisdom. But free does not mean free of pursuit. Sin will take any ground that we give it, any ground that we'll willingly give up. But wisdom requires intentionality. When our heart is gained, uh, excuse me, when our heart is oriented towards God and our affections are for Him and, and the life He designed, We pursue him and we gain wisdom. Next, Solomon speaks of the protection of wisdom. Look what he says in the rest of chapter 2. We'll not read it all, but in verse 7 he says, Wisdom is a shield for those whose walk is blameless. In verse 8 it says, Wisdom guards the course of the just. It protects the way of the faithful. In verses 12 through 15, Solomon says, Wisdom will save you from the ways of wicked men who walk in dark ways. And in verse 16 through 19, Solomon says, Wisdom will save you from the adulterous woman or man who brings death. These are all great verses that you might highlight in yellow. We're using yellow to kind of indicate things that are about wisdom. They're, They're promises to hold on to. And I think you'll find more as we go throughout the book. Throughout Proverbs, you're going to see a stark contrast between foolishness and wisdom. The fool is one who is dull and obstinate. He's not interested in searching for wisdom. The fool thinks he will just be handed to him over the counter. He's unaware of the danger ahead, Solomon says. Being a fool is more about a chosen outlook than it is one's mental ability. The fool rejects the fear of God. He has no reverence or need for truth. 
and usually ends up worse for that choice. I want to be clear that the book of Proverbs is not prosperity gospel. It doesn't promise health and wealth for those who follow its rules and instructions because there are many people in Scripture who faithfully followed God but had trouble in their life. The book of Job, right before Psalms, is a, is a great wisdom literature read because it shows us that truth. Also, Joseph in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, we see Paul, even Jesus himself. Blessings of a holy life are not necessarily for this world, but there are treasures to be stored up in heaven. The wise have this perspective, and they trust the Lord's way and how to experience heaven here on earth. Now, I want to be clear. I do believe that following God's principles for life leads to a path where we experience blessing and life to the full. But the fool, however, is impatient of all advice. It's flippant. It is attitude towards sin. He has a closed mind towards God and his ways. It doesn't work out for well for him or for us. So don't be that guy or girl. Listen to the counsel of God. Follow his way to life. Experience the protection, the peace of mind, the fulfillment, the joy in life that wisdom brings. Finally this morning, I think we need to look at the path to wisdom. Look at the few verses in Proverbs chapter 3. Solomon says, My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and, your, and bring you peace and prosperity. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him, and he'll make your paths straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. I think you can hear the pleading of a parent's heart in the words of Solomon, begging his child to choose wisdom. When I was turned 16 on my 16th birthday, I did not receive a brand new car. In fact, for my 16th birthday, I received keys to my parents' car, which meant I had wheels only when they weren't using it. And I had to ask, always ask permission. It really wasn't that great of a deal. But on those keys was a keychain. And that keychain had Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. You can find all kinds of things, T-shirts, wall hangings, keychains, all kinds of things that have Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. It really is truth to live by. My parents wanted me to, more importantly than just getting around town at my whim, they wanted my heart to be centered on the truth of God's word, to follow his instructions all the days of my life. Love and faithfulness in verse 3 that Solomon uses is actually a reference to God's character. And he stresses that by emulating God, we find wisdom which brings with it favor and a good name. And Solomon stresses that the path of wisdom is found in trusting God, not ourselves, submitting to his ways because we, he knows how life works and we can trust him. The original word for trust actually is translated lying helplessly face down in desperate dependence. That's a big picture of trust. I think it's interesting that Eve was tempted in the garden to pursue wisdom. I think it just shows that we all have had this yearning for wisdom. But there's only one true path to wisdom. That's God's path. Ray Orland writes again in his book on Proverbs. He says, Proverbs is indeed practical, but it's not simplistic or moralistic. 
What God is going after through this book is change deep inside our hearts. His wisdom sinks in as we mull over these biblical proverbs slowly and thoughtfully. This book is not a quick fix. It is ancient wisdom for long human experience endorsed by God himself. Proverbs is not a mere right method of thought, but it is a right relationship with God, submission to God. Ken Ball says there is a formula for wisdom. Wisdom equals knowledge plus obedience. Solomon had all the knowledge of the world, yet he didn't use it. Wisdom is putting that knowledge into practice, applying it. And when you and I follow God's wisdom, we get the hang of how life really works and we come alive. God gives us his peace, his shalom, when we fully follow and trust him. And as we trust him, his character, the way to live and the way to love is reflected in us. It benefits us, but it also benefits others. And I think the world really truly needs to see a picture of what true living looks like. We phrase that here at Crossroads as living and loving like Jesus. Because Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1 verse 30, Jesus is the wisdom of God. As we trust Jesus as Savior and Lord, it compels us to adjust our life to the wisdom that he offers. And so many in our world today have been disappointed and even just demoralized because those of us who call ourselves Christians, well, we've not been a great reflection of the one that we follow. They don't see a lot of steadfast love and faithfulness in us. And this causes them to lose faith that faith in Jesus really makes any difference. The wisdom of God offers, the wisdom that God offers us must change us to be more like him. Truly living and loving in ways that will show the world who he is so that they can also know how to find true life in him. When we walk this path of wisdom that the Lord provides, we find life and we point others to it. And if you're looking for direction as you start this new year, or just as you consider life and how to navigate it, I hope today you hear the voice of God calling you to trust him, to follow his ways, to know him in a deep way, and by doing so, discover wisdom and true life. Don't lean on your own understanding any longer. Stop following any other path. Trust God's way. Let his wisdom fill you by searching for it, leaning into it, and obeying it. And as you do, I hope you feel the love and grace that God extends to you as he points out the way, the true way to life. One last thought from Ray Orland. He says this, The book of Proverbs is a gospel book. It's good news for bad people. It's grace for sinners. It's about hope for failures. It's about wisdom for idiots. This book is Jesus himself coming to us as our counselor. He is our priest and our prophet. But in the book of Proverbs, we encounter Jesus as our mentor. In our chaotic lives of constant stop, start, stop, start, short attention span mental habits, with an endless stream of momentarily visit, visible, triver, <laughs> let me start that again. In our chaotic lives of constant stop, start, stop, start, short attention span mental habits, with an endless stream of momentarily visible Twitter feed fragments of information. We've been reduced to one splinter factoid after another, and we're trying to patch it all together towards some kind of elegant whole life living worth, worth living. That's difficult. 
But the problem is not just that we're fidgety and distracted. It's that our information, however much we have, is no basis for life. We need Jesus to rescue us from our information and even from our knowledge. We need Jesus to counsel us with new and yet ancient wisdom that comes from him. Then we can live. I hope you'll take us up on this challenge, this invitation to experience the wisdom that God offers us through his word. To recognize that there are two paths you can choose, but there's only one path that leads to life. And if you don't believe that, then try it. Take God up at his promises. Trust him at his word. Follow his instructions and see if it doesn't add up to a better life than what you could ever find on your own or anything else that the world offers. And as you trust him and as you lean into the way that he leads you, I think you'll find peace for your souls, rest for your heart. And life like you've never experienced, that's his promise, not mine. And so our prayer is that as we walk through these words of wisdom from Solomon, from God through Solomon, that our lives would flourish because we're trusting and following our Savior. Would you pray with me? God, thank you for reaching out to us. God, 2020 has not been the hardest year ever, and it probably won't be the last time we face hard times. And God, it can leave us disenfranchised, frustrated, discouraged. But God, if we take a hard look at 2020, maybe the hardest things about it is the turmoil and the, the battle that's been going on in our hearts for many years. The battle between what's true and right and what's wrong and, and what's empty. And so God, my prayer is that we would Maybe do some deeper soul searching than just blame it on the, the politics of our world or the racial tensions that exist or, or even the, the chaoticness of a worldwide pandemic. God, I, I pray that we would wrestle with things that are even more eternal than that. It's just at the, at the essence of, of how we were created to have and experience life. God, you've not left us up to our own to have to figure it out. You didn't just create this world and spin it into existence and take your hands off. You love us way too much than that. So God, you have offered us words of life, words to life, words of wisdom. God, I pray that we would not just check it off the list this month as we read proverb after proverb, but those words of truth and words of life and words of wisdom would sink deep, not just into our head, but into our heart. God, that it would change the way that we live every day. God, that the world would notice. The people around us would notice that we're living differently in 2021 than we did in 2020. And we could point to the fact that we've chosen to live and walk the path of the wisdom you offer us. God, I pray that that would bear fruit in our life. Fruit that would last. Fruit that would bring glory and honor to you. I pray that through the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.